going to start session number two, Rainbow God, Restoring God's Face to Society. And the session number two, we're going to present to you God as communicator and love displayed in media. All these seven manifestations of God are seven different ways that he loves. As we start this second session, I want to lay out a pattern that we're going to uh, bring to you and that we're going to follow for the next seven messages, the next seven sessions, beginning with this one. Uh, we're going to look at each one of these seven specific faces of God that must be reflected or re-imaged in society. We're going to connect these seven faces with the seven spirits of God. Again, that's not heresy. It's mentioned in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. It talks about uh, you know, verse 5 of Revelation 4, it says there are seven lamps of fire blazing around the throne, and these are the seven spirits of God. And in Revelation 5, verse 6, it speaks of seven eyes of God that are the seven spirits of God. So we're also going to make a connection between these seven spirits and the seven colors of the rainbow. Revelation 4, verse 3, tells us that there is a rainbow around the throne, and that and that's why the rainbow, that's why it was so important. It was sent to earth for Noah as the sign of God's covenant of mercy with mankind. God would look at the rainbow from then on, and despite however man might be doing, however bad, he, he said even back then he knew his ways are always predisposed towards evil, but he would remind himself, he would have the rainbow in the sky that would remind himself of the completeness of his seven colors of love and the power of his seven spirits. And he would be motivated by that towards mercy. Of course, that was even before he sent Jesus, who becomes the ultimate assurance of mercy towards mankind. Now, in each session, we're going to cover five segments or five sections. You can take note of this. First, we'll spend time gazing at that particular face of God that is being restored to society on each mountain or area of culture. Um, you know, what we look at or what we behold, we become. So gazing at God causes us to grow in who he is and the nuanced knowledge of God. And secondly, we're going to look at him as rainbow God and, and the particular color associated with his face. So we'll see how the colors themselves speak different truths about God. So I'll be, uh, I'll be presenting uh, you know, the sequential colors of the rainbow as we move forward. Then the, the third focus of each session will be what we'll call the, the Revelation 5.12 template. Now, if you remember the context of Revelation 4 and 5, uh, that was when John was taken to heaven. He was shown heaven's response to the reality of Jesus, who, the, who was the Lamb. Being, he, came as a, he was a lion, but he came as a lamb because he had, to, he had to pay the price. And he was the one found worthy to open the scroll. The father had been holding the scroll. The angels were saying in a loud voice, who is worthy, who is worthy, over and over again, until Jesus, the lamb that was slain, said he had seven horns. There were seven scrolls that need to be redeemed, seven aspects of society to be freed up from the curse that was on them. So it then says, the angels burst out singing in a loud voice, a new song. That's the Revelation 5.12 template. And John heard them singing this new song. And it says, verse 12, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Seven values, seven attributes of heaven and of God. And God at that time, the Lord showed me that this new song is actually a template for the reformation of culture and the restoration of his full face to society. That each one of these connects to one of the mountains of society, to one of the faces of God, and one of the colors of the rainbow. And so for each session, we'll identify the attribute of those seven attributes, we'll identify one of those that's specific to that facet of the face of God and the accompanying reformation assignment of society. Fourth in each session, we're going to talk about the angelic forces of God that are fighting with us on our behalf, on his behalf, 
to assist in displaying that face of God in each specific area of culture because the big battlefield is over knowledge, as we said in the first session. These angels are a big part of, about, of what's about to unfold. Uh, and I know this can be controversial to give names to angels um, and, and you know, to tell about them, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, we're quick to name Baal and Jezebel, Mammon, Leviathan. Nobody has any problems naming the dark side. But um, as soon as we, we do the light side, there's, hey, 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 what's that about? Uh, and, uh, but we have to know that there is a more impressive heavenly counterpart to everything that exists on the dark side. And, and you know, for every one of those that I mentioned. And, but here's a little history behind why I'll be including a segment about the angels, because I think this is important. Several years ago, while Elizabeth and I were uh, driving from Nashville, Tennessee to Atlanta, Georgia, where we were based at the time in our church, and uh, I was resting in the back while she was uh, driving, and I suddenly part connected to a dream. I began to have this, uh, this revelation from the Lord, and he began to show me that there were seven great angels, and I really, I understood them to be really likely archangels, and that there was, each one had an assignment for each one of the mountains, the seven mountains of society that we're talking about. And I began to understand various details about each of these. And I began to hear what some of the names are and their assignments and what they did. And so I, I was, it was thrilled with it. And, and after receiving the revelation, I just sat up and I began to tell about Elizabeth about what I'd seen while she's still driving. I was, I was telling her, I said, these seven great angels. And, and they're, they're amazing. They each come with millions of angels. And they're, they're part of this whole thing. And uh, I was really quite excited about this. And at the exact moment that, that I, I, I was saying this, and I had said seven angels, you know, it was a car sped up. It was a Nissan. Uh, it sped up right in front of us. And, and we were going pretty fast because I was late to church where I was supposed to be speaking. So I won't tell you how fast I was. But this guy was definitely breaking the speed limit. And, um, but the, the license tag on it, the car pulled right in front of it, and it said seven angels. And it was quite a moment of confirmation. And I'm used to, actually, the Lord giving me messages on license plates. And, and Elizabeth, at times, is like not too sure about that. And, but she's the one that saw it first. And she just started saying, no way, no way, no OK, I'll never doubt you again on the license plate thing. <laughs> and, um, and so I, you know, I took that as some level of God confirming that this was a revelation I could run with. <clears throat> um, the, the seven great angels, I believe, he gave me insight on, and, and I'll say their names as we go through each, um, so you don't have to remember all right now, but I'll just say the seven great angels, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, Jehudiel, Raziel, Raziel, and Zerachiel. Now, whether I'm right about their exact names or not, or whether you prefer not to refer to their specific names, it really doesn't matter. Um, I'm not really trying to build a theology on it. it it's more what their name represents uh, and we'll see that in a minute, that's more significant than anything else. Uh, each one of these, if you notice, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, Raphael, each one ends in E-L, uh, which means God, the Lord. And I believe that each has an assignment to restore an aspect of the face of God to society, and because this is frontline battlefield. Each angel also comes with, again, millions of accompanying angels, and it's just valuable to remember their important roles in the, in the important role in the days ahead. Um, again, if it makes it easier for you, I'll explain the, the angel name as the spirit in which the angel comes in. So if you want to think of spirit of instead of the name, that's okay if you just struggle so much with the name. But I, believe, you know, I think at some point it becomes helpful to know the type of angels coming in to assist us in restoring the beautiful rainbow face of God to society. And fifth, and lastly in each session, we'll look at the big lies that are currently being perpetuated by, about God through the broken systems in each area of culture or mountain of society. We'll be doing this in the context of the previous session, the first session about Elijah and the strategy he used to win the battle over Baal. We'll take that same scheme and upgrade it for ourselves. We'll see how the truth about God, viewed through each of his seven lovely faces, reveals his love and overcomes each specific lie that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Um, the true battlefront is always over the knowledge of God. His correct reputation 
being seen in the earth. So as a reminder, this is all about the nuanced knowledge of God filling the earth, not just salvation knowledge of God. This is the goal and promise of it all. It's a goal, but it's also a promise of all. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. And again, it's not just the knowledge of who he is, but more importantly, really for us now, how he is. That's the area of significant darkness, significant confusion, significant dimness. He will cover the whole earth with not only who he is, but how he is. And again, more than what the enemy is doing, more than any other measurable outcome, this is the important mission. You know, secondarily, as a secondary goal, it's good if people stop killing and stealing and aborting and lying and and cheating. You know, you can add a whole list of those things. But our main objective is not just stopping that. Our main objective is to see our God's full-spectrum rainbow face shine in society. I believe those other areas of deception that I was just mentioning, they will fall away as his ways become revealed because his ways are so much better than ours. Uh, it is, you know, it's, it's possible to stop aborting, stealing, killing, et cetera, et cetera, by rigid external controls. That can happen. It's hap- it happens in certain societies right now. But that wouldn't restore God's face to society. A stern dictator can stop a lot of misbehaving if that were the only goal. You can be put in prison. You can't misbehave. But what we want is to see God's beautiful face revealed. What he wants is his face revealed and the nuances of how he loves. And we want that to be what we contend for. Again, it's a relational assignment. First seeing him in an expanded way and then showcasing him in that same way. A mirror can only you know, reflect back what, it's, what it can see. And um, we've only been showcasing like a limited part of one color of God because we haven't been able to see him. We haven't gotten him. We're all just, there's been too much doctrine and preparation to escape the planet uh, or something else, you know? And so there's not been understanding that the image of him, re-imaging him, seeing him, and re-imaging him society really can overthrow the enemy because it's all a battle of arguments, casting down arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You know, at the end of the sessions, then Elizabeth will close with a perspective that will help make a very personal connection for each of you. We're, we're understanding that. We're talking about this great macro assignment of seeing God invade and fill the whole earth of society itself uh, being reformed, but there is this thing that it has to register home. You can't give away what we don't have ourselves, and Elizabeth really it will, will um, minister to that on each time she's, she's here. So let's begin looking at the first of the seven, by gazing at the face of God as communicator. That was the, you know, the, the template, as it were, the sections, laying out the five sections we will go through on every one of these. So I had to bring this up in the first one, and now we'll go through gazing at the face of God as communicator. Now, we become, uh, I think, fond of the phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Everybody's saying it. No matter what denomination, whether they're spirit-filled, non-spirit-filled, Catholic, you know, the Lord's Prayer is just everywhere, and the songs are everywhere, and, and it's just, we know somehow that that's supposed to be what we believe and contend for, and it's because heaven is prophesying that over us uh, incessantly during this dawning of the age of the kingdom. We're in the age of the restoration of all things. Therefore, in order to know what we're looking for on earth... If we're saying on earth as it is in heaven, we must be able to see into heaven or at least heavenly places and peer at who God is. It's then that we have something to advance here on earth. He's, of course, revealed to us many ways, and we understand the great value beginning with the scriptures, but then he expands that and he reveals himself in multiple ways. Uh, But as we begin to consider who God is as communicator on the mountain of media, We see that everything about God has to do with good news and redemptive conversation. When we look at him as God communicator, it's all about good news, the spirit of good news, and about redemptive conversation. By redemptive conversation, if you go, what does that mean? That means that which is uplifting and restorative. It means his point of view, his perspective, how he sees sees things. His communication always 
expresses his plan of redemption for everything. Uh, you know, even when God requires repentance, he always contextualizes it with a promise of good outcome. Even if you look at him in the Old Testament, there would always be, now if you change, this is what will happen. He's an encourager by nature. God communicator is an encourager. He's an uplifter. He's a promise maker with mercy dripping from his lips. It is a very nuanced manner by which he shows his love. He loves with his words and with the way he communicates. One of the reasons I think we so look forward to heaven is we've heard and anticipated that there are no tears in heaven. No sadness in heaven. Is that not one of the top attractions for you? It's what, for me and what we've always heard. One of the reasons is because the communication system of heaven operates totally on his standard for news. I'll explain that. Our Father lovingly infuses the media of heaven so that there are only testimonies and hopeful and hope-filled reports. Noah's, you know, no one in heaven is afraid of hearing the latest news. <laughs> heaven knows even better than we, and you know, we have to point this out. Heaven knows better than we do what's really going on earth. They know exactly how many people went to hell today. We can only guess. They know exactly. They know how many babies are aborted. They know how many believers have been martyred. How many kids are sex slaves? How many suicides take place? How many were suddenly killed in a car wreck? And go on and on and on. They, they know. It tells us there's a cloud of witnesses. They have some access to know it. So how is there no tears? Are they insensitive? What's the deal there? But it's the way God runs communications in heaven. God the communicator instructs heaven's media so that these things aren't spoken of in heaven. Or if they are, they're processed through some major redemptive grid. You know, they know the end from the beginning. They, they, they can also see beyond what we can see. You know, there would be tears in heaven if it was reported the way it's reported here. You wonder why it makes you sad when you watch the news? It is. We're not meant to handle all that. But our God, our Father, our Father God in heaven, he handles all the bad news himself. He lets it stay here. He's like, don't pass on the bad news. I'll handle it myself. So he kind of screens the media of heaven. Because he's easily capable of doing so because he really has a perspective no one else does. He knows the end from the beginning. And so only he is designed to handle the avalanche of heartbreaking news that exists. Only he knows what future opportunities there are to change what seem like hopeless or damned situations here, you know, that are here. Main point I'm making here is that as we, we're gazing into heaven, we're looking at how he does things in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, is that in heaven they don't walk around carrying the weight of a bunch of bad news. Even though, potentially, it seems they could be witnesses to it all. And not only are we to follow that lead individually, but as society, we must learn from him in his better way of communicating in heaven. Well, you know, yes, we want to be generally informed and, and not ignorant as a society, but we must understand we're only given grace to handle our own setbacks, our own sphere of setbacks, not the setbacks of all seven billion plus people on the planet. Our news media agencies have become propaganda machines for, for Satan's minimal and usually temporary gains. And the whole world reels in fear under the spirit of bad news. So then our, our reformation assignment in news media is not just to have, you know, some have said, well, we need to get Christians in visible places. Well, it's not just to get Christians in visible places telling all the bad news. How does that help just to have Christians telling all the bad news? In fact, we do that a lot with TV. Christian TV is you go there and they're telling all the bad news. Like, what's the point of being on TV? Gospel, good news. But we have to change the system itself 
We change the system based on recognizing who God is as communicator and what he created verbal communication to do. So we're gazing at him, we're looking at him, we're considering these things. So we, we can show up on our media platforms. We all have media platforms now. It used to just be ABC, CBS, and NBC, but now anybody can start a blog. You can have a Facebook, you know, just Twitter, Instagram, everything else that exists. And now all the various social media platforms are available, but we want to come on there in the spirit of our God as communicator, who he is in media, how he runs things. Again, as I point out, the gospel, the word gospel means good news. And obviously, we're supposed to be all about the gospel. This isn't limited to the news that Jesus saves. That's, of course, that's the best news. We have a standard that Paul laid out, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, 8. says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think or focus on these things. We can add that and say, publish that. Can you imagine operating out of that standard? It's heaven's communication standard. And it actually will fly here on earth. When somebody gets it, they'll find. Their numbers will translate to being the best as well. Because society actually is sick and tired of bad news. This is how our God operates. Therefore, it must be our standard as well. Again, verbal communication was designed by God and it was strategically meant to be a source of blessing. He says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we are called to communicate life, not just, you know, not just religious death. That's what we do a lot of. This is how God, the communicator, shows his specific love. He loves us with an atmosphere of uplifting conversation that's rooted in hope, even when the facts may appear difficult to hear. He finds the redemptive story behind the obvious story. We'll get back on some of that in a moment. But now we're going to go into the section on the colors. Remember, there's going to be a, a rainbow color associated with each one of these aspects and faces of God. It just helps us in seeing him in an expanded way. And the rainbow color associated with the face of God as communicator on the mountain of media is red, because we're talking about, when we're talking about God communicator, it's what he wants restored on the mountain of media. And the mountain of media is the mountain where news is reported, where the earth gets an idea, or they feel like they're being told what's actually happening or not happening. So the rainbow color associated with the face of God is the color red. Uh, we see even how we've adapted red as a communication color for us here on earth. Uh, it's always associated with paying attention in a, in a special way. You know, our stop signs are red, our yield signs, most of them are red. Red lights tell us to stop. Breaking news on the television shows up in flashing red letters. Severe weather or terror alerts are always in red. If you carry, you know, the Bible uh, version, that, you know, the red letter edition, that highlights the important communication of Jesus. Red is also the color of his blood, the blood of Jesus, and it is that color and that essence that really registers, registers and communicates to our hearts of God's love for us. So it's a communicating color. Uh, furthermore, I'm, I'm sure that there'll be further revelation forthcoming and understanding as to presently unknown things about all the colors, but the color red. We understand that each color, you know, the light and all colors carry unique vibrations, and each vibration or frequency um, it's meant for something. It brings a special grace or healing. It's not just new age ideas. It's scientifically true. And so there's the aspects of that we're still figuring into what, the, what all that means. There's a whole study around chromotherapy. I don't know if anybody's looked into that all, at all, which is the idea of healing uh, through colors. I've studied it some. I'm not, you know, I'm not an ec expert on it, but there's some aspects of it that have a ring of truth. And in chromotherapy... They, there's a conclusion that the color red benefits the circulatory and nervous systems. I was, I was reading that on, 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 the, on a chart, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. 
If bad news brings stress, then redemptive news can benefit the nervous system. And so that uh, made sense as well. And so, again, the color, part of the, the idea with even presenting to you the color is to help you even remember that aspect of who he is. I did see uh, you know, a vision of the seven mountains years ago when I saw each one of the mountains in one of the colors of the rainbow. And I don't know if this actually exists, but this is what the vision was. And the angels assigned to each one of the mountains came, they were dressed in the color for that mountain. And, and it spoke into um, what they were called to restore on that mountain. And, and, then, and then the color had a sound. You know, there's do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, there's seven sounds. And so there's, there's some great majestic 7D uh, uh, display of awesomeness and glory that God is doing with all this that we're just beginning to, to understand with it all. Now we're going to go a little bit to the Revelation 5.12 template that we mentioned to you, you know, the scripture, Revelation 5.12, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And it is blessing that specifically has to do with the face of God as communicator. Um, The heavenly virtue out of Revelation 5.12 that coordinates with the mountain of media and with God as communicator is blessing. Worthy is the lamb to receive blessing. When we receive and model his seven primary attributes of love on earth, we are, in essence, representing him on earth, and then we then give it back to him. Because it doesn't just say, worthy is the lamb to help us get it, but we give this back. He receives what we have become and displayed on earth. We are for his glory. So we display who he is and it is something that even blesses him. We are becoming back to him what he has provided for us and through us. So the word blessing sums up the goal of God as communicator and of our assignment on the mountain of news media. Again, this is, we want it to be the rubber hits the road if you're in media. Like, what am, I, what am I doing? What am I about? God's blessing displays another nuance of his love. It's the way he shows his love in the mountain of media is through blessing. Now, the Greek word that's used in Revelation 5.12 for blessing is the word eulogia. Don't think I pronounced it right, but I'm not going to try to deceive you into thinking I speak Greek anyway, which literally means, but what it does mean, it looks like eulogia, but it means good word. We may recognize that word as where we get our English word eulogy from. And if you know what a eulogy is, I suppose most of you should know, a eulogy is used at a funeral. And a eulogy is, you know, to tell a good word on, on the deceased. And he or, he or she may have been a piece of work. Um, but if, if someone can figure out something redemptive, something noble, something positive, they like, let him give the eulogy. That guy knows something good on him. And so that's what a eulogy. But that gives us insight into this, this word that's used for blessing. Because um, when we know things or each other by our negatives... We yield to Satan's way of thinking. He is the accuser of the brethren, and therefore his way of communicating. You know, we are admonished in the scriptures, Paul said, know each other by the spirit and not by the flesh. Not according to the flesh. What does that mean? It means don't know each other by your dirt. Even husbands and wife, don't know each other by your junk. Know each other by the treasure. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in the field know each other by the treasure that's hid in each other. Another scripture says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're earthen vessels, but there is a treasure there, and we have a privilege to call that out from each other, to recognize that, because it's the enemy that keep telling, he tells us. He's already reminding you 24-7 about your dirt. You don't generally need reminded that by someone else. God, the communicator, always frames things in the context of a hopeful end. It's how he communicates. We want to say this is how he communicates. Even in every correction, he will emphasize the desired end, should the repentance be made. It is his nature to be so and do so, and he has asked us to carry that same characteristic of him into the mountain of news media and to implement the necessary reforms based on that understanding. We see, again, God 
through this light, you know, the well-known scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's a favorite scripture, but many of us don't even realize maybe even the context of that. There's really amazing insight into God. Sometimes God gets a bad rap in the Old Testament because we don't understand really what was taking place at the time, but Israel was in a very dark period of multi-generational disobedience and idolatry, almost no flicker of righteousness at all. In one place in Jeremiah, you'll see the Lord said, Jeremiah, go walk through the streets of Jerusalem. See if you find one who cares about righteousness. They were multi-generational, several generations of like no flickers of light at all. And yet, he says, in this very dark season, he tells them of his innermost thoughts. I know the thoughts I think towards you. See, we're not in touch with a God like that. We think that God's looking for a reason and excuse to destroy and burn and throw lightning. That's why we keep passing that around in our emails all the time. We communicate. God's about to judge here because there's sin. He's about to judge because there's sin. He looks for excuses not to. His thoughts of peace and of hope and of, of a good future. And so, you know, here's the reality. All who feel like they have a significant call on the mountain of media, first make sure you carry the blessing anointing. And that comes from being very acquainted with this face of God as communicator. It's all about how you see things. It's called reporting, but it's about how you see things. God is always wanting to know, do you see what I see? Do you see how I see? Those who, those who can can become his evangelists in media. The evangelist, a good newser. It's another assignment place for those called to be evangelists, drawing attention to the works of redemption that he is doing on earth right in the midst of heartache and suffering. It's not that you can't report on the darks, on the dark, you know, the, you know, the earthquakes and things, but you can, you can tell the heroic rescues. You can, there's something you can extract. There's, there's nobility to extract even from devastating stories. And when you do that, you are being like he is on earth. Now I want to talk to you just a moment about the angelic forces that are on this mountain of media, the, the, mount, the angelic forces that are uh, working with us to restore the face of God as communicator on the mountain of media. Now, I believe that he showed me that, again, you don't have to take this. It doesn't matter if this is doctrine. I'm not creating a new doctrine, but it, uh, it, you just see if it makes sense with your spirit. I believe that Gabriel is the great angel or archangel and he, that he's the ruling angel of the mountain of news or media. And we want to talk about it because we want to be aware that a very powerful angel and a huge host of heaven are involved in the assignment of reformation. Our side is big and mighty. Uh, and so we, we have a lot of help and we want to be aware of it. And, you know, there's something, again, if we just say, well, there's angels, maybe it can impersonal, sometimes it doesn't register. We said, Gabriel. It's like, whoa, he's helping us? Yeah, he's helping us. I believe that if you work in media, you have an assignment in conjunction with Gabriel. Uh, just let that sink in for a moment. Now, what does Gabriel's name mean? His name means messenger of him or messenger of God. As I said before, all the angels' names will end in L because their assignment includes or is about the restoration of a specific face of God, a facet of who he is, one of the seven spirits of God being revealed. And then look at it as restoring a key color of our rainbow God. We can be his messengers by finding his stories and presenting them as news here in the world. And his stories are usually the story behind the obvious news stories of the day. Remember, it was Gabriel who was entrusted to come to earth with the best news heaven has ever had for earth. In Luke 1, Gabriel was sent to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, to tell him he would have a son and he, that he would prepare the way of the Lord. Luke 1, 19 says, And the angel answered and said to him, 
I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to you to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. You see, he was entrusted with glad tidings. If you don't know what that means, it means good news. It's understood that it was a great angel. This same great angel, Gabriel, who is referred to in Luke 2.10, it says there, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, of great joy, which will be to all people. The angel then goes on to tell the shepherds the best news ever, that Jesus, the Savior of the world, had been born. You see, in heaven, it's a privilege to be able to carry good news. We must understand that very same reality on earth as it is in heaven. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. Remember, they overcame by the blood of the lamb. The second part, the word of their testimony by good news reports. It's a big deal. It's front lines battle. The enemy is beaten by good news reports because it says God's still in control. We must understand that very same reality. There is always something of great newsworthiness here on earth. We just have to be trained into seeing things as God the communicator does. He says the whole earth is filled with his glory. We just have to learn to see it and tell about it. The massive media army angels are here to help and advance those who get this message, who get this mission. Um, You know, let me give you a quick analogy using the idea of an artist. They say the best artists are, are the ones, they really, it's their ability to see. And perhaps writers, broadcasters, talk show hosts, and news announcers will be the best ones when they learn how to see things in the unique way through God's perspective, when you understand how he is and how he wants to see things. So now let's go to the... The last section on the big lie about God in the mountain of media. We want to identify, remembering the, the, you know, the setup as it was in the story of Elijah and Baal. Elijah said, come to my mountain, and he had to overcome an argument against the knowledge of God. We want, so we want to secure our war strategy as we're advancing in media. Whether you are advancing in media, again, this, this, this helps you even understand God, whether you're in media or not. But more so than ever before in history, we all have a platform in media, most likely, unless you're one of the rare ones that does nothing on social network. Elijah was God's representative who needed to take out principality, the principality Baal. But in order to do so, he had to prove to the people that the God he knew was greater than the lie from Baal. Again, we're superimposing that battle strategy dynamic onto media. We want to understand the players and the dynamics. We want to make this uh, you know, real where the, where the rubber hits the road. The real battle lines or battle fronts are in the seven primary areas of culture, the seven mountains. Elijah had Mount Carmel. We are the Elijahs. And in this area of society, we have the mountain of media. News media, how life is reported, how the news is reported. Baal was the principality that Elijah dealt with. And I believe that Apollyon or Leviathan is the principality over media. Now, Apollyon means destroyer. And that's what he does with the constant flow of negative reports. Negative news, a stream of negativity destroys. It destroys people, it destroys immune system, it destroys hope. Leviathan is the great twister of communication. He's the twisting spirit, and that is, in essence, what the enemy does in media. So I don't know if they're the same, just two different manifestations of the same demon. It really doesn't matter. But he sells the negative twist on everything. And people who are in survival mode, who internally think they're orphans, as most in the world, most think there's been abandonment by God, they buy into that as their survival instinct kicks in. So the news twists things and, and has us convinced that things are falling apart through what the enemy does. This is front lines work of the enemy. So what does the principality do in media? We're making it clear. He twists. He circumvents communication. He highlights negative, fearful, immoral, anxiety-building events that are taking place around the earth. He spins everything into an evil conclusion. Now, the most important question, 
Why does the devil do this on this mountain? Why does he twist everything to bring focus only on what's going wrong? I want to get inside his strategic thinking. It's because he's raising an assault against the knowledge of God. He's done that since the garden. Hath God said the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's how he advances. It's how he's given power. He gets our photons as we agree. Remember? Demonic strongholds are arguments, or they're built around arguments that conspire against the knowledge of God. We read that in Corinthians. What does the devil not want people to know about God through media? What face of God does he not want restored to society? The face of God is communicator. God as love displayed as blessings in media. He doesn't want people to know that God has a plan for their life. And that he's able to execute that plan for their life. That's what he's after. So the lie being perpetuated about God in the current media outlets is, you just want to keep it simple, God doesn't have a good plan for us. That's what he wants released into everyone. That's the lie, the big lie. God doesn't have a good plan for us. He doesn't have a good plan for you. That's what he wants. You're watching the news. He wants that to hit you. God does not have a good plan for you. Every time you're exposed to news, the enemy wants that to be your takeaway. He wants you to think, and this is so easy. I know it happens to believers. I talk with them all the time. Like, we're all just victims of random tragedy and crisis. That's what he wants you to feel. The more the news that comes around, the more you watch it, it's like, we're just all victims of random tragedy and crisis. The whole world is falling apart, and, and, and my world probably is going to soon as well fall apart. Think about it again for a moment. That's the takeaway to your heart that's taking place when you read most of the news headlines. Ebola is coming and you could be next. Better wear gloves and a mask when you go on the airline next time. ISIS and terrorism are coming and you could be next. You're probably going to be beheaded this year. Drought is coming or intensifying, and you're going to be affected by it. It's amazing to see the enemy, even here in California. Right after rain, every time the newspaper says, drought untouched by it. I'm like, why would you say that right now? It's like, I know there's a demonic entity behind that. Like, as soon as we get the rain, they tell us it's not affecting anything. Well, then what, what was that about? Storms are coming, and you're going to be hit. Gas prices are rising. It's going to kill your provision. Gas prices are dropping. Your provision's still going to be killed. You know? We're all getting happy about gas is down. They say, no, it's bad. What? So you got a demon there saying everything's bad. Unemployment is rising. It's coming to get you. There's a murder on the loose. You're not safe. Bad stuff happens, and it's about to assault you as well. That's what you're getting from the news. You see? Apollyon destroys trust in God through the news, through media. The collective heart of a society feels unsafe. And this also touches your personal heart, our, my personal heart, if we don't watch it. Again, even as a believer, you can find it hard to feel safe if you just news, 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 the way it's done now. So what's the truth that God always wants communicated through every media source possible? What is the truth he wants and this goes into understanding our Reformation assignment. And it's back to the Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I have towards you, and they are of peace, not of evil. They are of a bright future. They are of hope. This truth of God must make it into the mainstream of society by the new Elijah's revealing that God is indeed at work with his good plans for us, even when he seems absent. Again, let me explain. It's so important to understand this in general, but especially if you have a media assignment. Society isn't presently operating out of objective news. You just have to know that it's not objective news. Um, in other words, the obvious news is not necessarily the balanced news of the world. It, it rarely is the important thing taking place on the planet. You know, newsrooms, you may know this, they have an internal motto of, if it bleeds, it leads. 
Ultimately, it's all about ratings and money. This is the demonics working on the structure there. This means they plan on creating the news out of an anecdotal incident or out of anecdotal incidences that has caused death or destruction or some way is bizarre. Just because it can make us stop and stare doesn't mean it's worth reporting. Just because something is a fact, hang with me on this one, just because something is a fact doesn't mean it reflects the truth. Facts are based on the micro, on the anecdotal. Truth is based on the macro. Facts present a subjective reality. Truth presents an objective reality. Here's an example. Here's a micro, anecdotal fact. There are thousands of abortions in America every day. That's a micro-truth. But the ma- that's a micro fact, but the macro, the macro truth is they've been steadily declining since 1990. Yeah. And they're almost half of what they were then. 73% of all abortion clinics have closed since 1990. 87 abortion clinics closed last year. So, but you notice the difference of what's the effect of a fact taken out of context of the truth. In fact, yes. We have so many abortions. God should judge us, should burn us up as a nation. And that goes around among Christians. Discouragement and the expectation of judgment come from repeating things in that kind of way. And this we hear all the time. Again, I'll say even from Christians, the effect of the immediate fact that abortions are still occurring in society discourages us because we wrongly think that means God is going to judge us severely as a nation. But then what is the effect, I could see it as I was telling, what's the effect of the truth that abortions are overall reducing dramatically? They're at their lowest rate since the year before Roe versus Wade. All of a sudden you get a little encouragement and hope-filled expectation. So the enemy is a master twister of facts to convey a distorted message about life in general. And that, that then distorts our assurance of God's sovereignty in our own lives. So if the enemy can convince us that everything is spinning out of control and heading towards disaster, ends up sabotaging our trust that God could really have a plan for our life. Or for sure, not one that he can pull off. Step number one is he doesn't have a good plan for your life. Number two, he really couldn't pull it off, even if he did. I mean, look at all the stuff happening. Everything's spinning out of control. God becomes minimized in our own minds as being subject to all the negative forces in the earth that are harming the world. And we can't give away a correct perspective of God to the world if we don't have one ourselves. That's where we're going with all of this. You see, the news is such a powerful tool uh, because we form our life narrative based on the symphony of media voices that we allow ourselves to be exposed to. They're usually telling us, you're not doing well. They're never telling us, you're doing well. It's not news. And this is going to always be our perception when we frame our perception of life around the most horrific and extreme anecdotal reports of a world of over 7 billion people. Instant social media now allows us to have access to the whole world as never before, to simultaneously experience the worst global news together. As I said before, you weren't meant, I wasn't meant to handle a world of seven billion people's most horrific and bizarre news. It's a heyday for news outlets today as they can really get all the blood news funneled to them from the whole world and then convince their local followers that this is the real world. Here's the truth. Beheadings in Syria shouldn't be experienced by the whole world as the reality of the world. It's a gross distortion of reality, and therefore, while it is a fact, it it must be responsibly reported in the context of truth or it will unnecessarily spread toxic fear. A servant of God in media should help that. The truth is, while they were, yeah, there were believers, there were believers that heroically martyred for their faith, Of course, we got to see it like 20 days in a row. 
It happened once, but we saw it 20 days in a row. Statistics tell us that you know, over 200,000 people gave their life to Jesus that same day. So it happens every day. Over 200,000 are giving their lives to Jesus every day. Over 50,000 a day filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice when you just hear that news, some of you instantly started doing that. I wasn't even reporting it in a very uplifting way. But, you know, that's, okay, there was 21 that were martyred, but 200, 250,000 came to Jesus and 50,000 filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a little objectivity on what's taking place versus the extreme facts presented apart from the context of truth. See, it damages your spirit to hear that. So back to the lie against the knowledge of God. Now you get an idea of heaven. They tell all the conversions. Today, 242,000 people got saved. They party in heaven. They don't have somebody, Satan's like, why don't you tell them about the 14,000 went to hell? Jesus said, I don't tell them that. It's not noble. It's not uplifting. And I handle that. Back to the lie against the knowledge of God, that he doesn't have a good plan for your life, that even if he did, he has no way of pulling off that awesome plan in this random, evil, and violent world. See, the enemy wants everyone to think this is a random, evil, and violent world. If you're in media helping that out, you're helping his cause. So stop for a moment and recognize that you may also have drank that Kool-Aid. And if you drank that Kool-Aid, while you're under the influence of that Kool-Aid, you can't be part of the solution. So think about that as you use your own platform, your media platform. How does he want to be represented on earth in that area? Psalm 23 is meant to be a guideline chapter for us as how to navigate personally through the news and how to pass news on correctly. It starts out with David declaring, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Then he establishes God's ability to watch over him. Then David says, he has green pastures of provision for me and he has peaceful waters for me. He has paths of righteousness that I can follow. David then acknowledges that even in this fallen world, there are times when you walk through a valley of the shadow of death. It's not denial about evil, but he says, even when I walk through this shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Now, this becomes a media assignment for us to let it be known that he is with us. And we all have, again, media platforms, most of us. And with all our various social media outlets, we got to let it be known God is with us. And the truth is that God does have a good plan for us. Whether there's a report of a terrible natural disaster or an international crisis, there's always the accompanying testimonials of God who is present and working a good plan for us. We must learn to see the story behind the story. Uh, this reassures the collective heart of a society as well you know, as our own hearts. We have to start with our own hearts. Whenever, again, we use our media outlets to provide others with evidence that God's in charge. If you can use your media outlet to, to give evidence that God is in charge, that he is ever-present, then it makes the great truth believable, the big truth believable, that God not only has a good plan for your life, but despite the presence of evil, he's able to pull it off as well. Yeah. So back to Psalm 23, David went on to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Enemies and evil events, they cannot keep the Lord from preparing a table for us. He easily circumvents and overrides the enemies because he's not just wistfully good, he's powerfully good. David closes out Psalm 23 with acknowledgments of his cup running over. Despite these valleys of shadows of death, and despite enemies, then his hopeful expectation is expressed at the end. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This is something we can expect and as the cherry on top of the cake, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's how David presented his perspective on life. You see, news the way it's presently done, by and large, tears down Psalm 23 confidence in a good God with an ex executable plan. News done his way then reimages that truth back into society. Romans 8.28, our closing scripture here, tells us that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. He is always good, and he's always doing something good on our behalf somewhere. This is just truth. This is just reality. And the world needs conditioning to that. It's more important than it even seems. 
That's why there's a major archangel, major army assigned to it as well. We will have become effective in the reformation of media to the extent that we amend or change the perceived knowledge of God as communicator. Step number one is that as Christians, we need to have a healed perspective of God. How do we convince the world of something we are unsure of? All you have to do is read the majority of Christian emails and communications, as I said, that, that warn in an anecdotal fashion telling stories what the enemy is doing or about to do to realize it does no good to have just simply Christians in media if they haven't really seen who he is. If they're not embedded in a Psalm 23 cocoon as their reality. So ironically, you know, we are prone to carry this, in this, particularly in this nation, I think we carry this, uh, you know, the other shoe is about to hit mentality because our media systems have conditioned us to believe the lie that God doesn't really have an executable good plan for us. We get healed. As we get healed, they get healed. They get healed. Substantiated, good, objective, and hopeful news chases out Leviathan and his cronies. And the people will then see that the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. How lovely on the mountain of media are the feet of those who bring good news. We went, yeah. We went a bit long on this one. Elizabeth has some really good stuff here. Okay. So throughout the next seven sessions, starting with this one, we're going to see that there's seven assurances that God has for us as we grow in intimacy with him and each specific area of culture, that face of his. And so when we encounter God as communicator, we are assured of our destiny. When we encounter God as communicator, we are assured of our destiny. There are seven primary areas that if you uh, really go into the, the core of who you are and those questions that we all have in common, that we all struggle with, that's definitely one of the areas that we need assuring in, that you were born and created, that I was born and created with a destiny that our creator had in mind for us. Now, also in each of these seven areas of culture, I'm going to read to you a very short few phrases that um, are meant to help you get in touch personally with what particular faces of God you especially need to grow in the knowledge of. And so this one is, uh, to the degree that you can relate to the following phrases, um, to that degree, you need to magnify and adore this face of God. I need to know that God has a good plan for my life and that I'm not just a random victim he's overlooked. I need to know that he's in the process of redeeming all that I've gone through and that none of it happened apart from his intentionality towards me. I need to see God's face as communicator. So we've talked about the fact that um, in the most simple way of speaking about God, he's love, right? And we've talked about the idea of the rainbow being a, an expression of who he is, our beautiful rainbow God. And these seven colors are, are examples or, or prophetic pictures of the different colors of God as love. Um, in our last course that we did called the Seven Mountain Mandate, we um, talked about this very simple phrase that's helped me a lot um, just to, to simplify. I, I like to have kind of a vision statement for my life, and this is what, what I ended up simplifying it down to, and I think it'll help you too. Um, it is this. I live to know the real him, to make the real him known, to learn to love and be loved. I'll just read that to you again. I live to know the real him, to make the real him known, to learn to love and be loved. If we get that, 
we will have succeeded in, in this short lifetime of ours, right? To, to know the real him and to make what we see of him known, to learn to love other people, love ourselves, and how to be loved. I can't think of anything more tragic than love that's given but not received. It's what we're all craving is, is to know love, to know in our core how loved we are. And the reality is we are loved. And so there are, there are nuances of that love that can hit its mark in our hearts. The last thing we're going to do in this session and in each of the following sessions is I would like to read over you what God as love expressed through his communicator heart is over you. So I'm just going to ask you in closing, if you'll just close your eyes and just, just receive right now. This is, this is our Father speaking over us his communicator heart. Let it hit its mark in your heart right now. My sons and daughters... Don't you know that I hold you and all things together? Not one move is made that I haven't seen, that I haven't planned for, and set a course into motion towards redemption. You look at the obvious, but I'm always working, changing, shifting from behind. Just because you cannot see me, see me at work, I'm working it all out to your benefit. All is being leveraged for your good. I'm the story behind your story, the undercurrent pulling it all back towards me, towards my heart for you, and towards my better plan. Like invisible guardrails on your destiny, I'm holding it all on the pathway that leads to my goodness. Sure, you see the wind and the waves, but can you see where they're taking you? Leading you into the depths of my love for you. Nothing is random because I'm not random. My love and my words, my very thoughts towards you secure you in all your ways. Although tragedy and crisis come and go, I never leave. I'm the one steady thing that you can depend on. Even when you watch as others are tossed about, you must know that I'm with them too. I'm there offering every opportunity for a way out or a grace to overcome. You must remember that I've given each of you grace to overcome anything you go through, but only for what you're actually going through. When you don't feel my grace, make sure you haven't entered into someone else's battle. Yes, bear the burdens of others, but don't allow the enemy to entice you into a battle zone I haven't sent you into. Learn to trust that even if you cannot see me in their battle, I'm right there with them. Just because you don't see me watching each and every sparrow doesn't mean that I don't. It's impossible for me to look away or walk away from any of my sons and daughters. It makes no difference to me whether they know they're mine yet or not. I'm their father, and not only can I not look away, I cannot distance myself from their every breath, from your every breath. Every single one that has ever lived or will ever live has my full attention has access to my heart towards them and my unwavering ability to draw them to myself, to my better ways, to my plans of a future and a hope for them. You have my full attention. You have access to my heart towards you, 
to my unwavering ability to draw you constantly to myself and to my better ways. Your life isn't just a series of facts being played out like a sequence of events arranged by chance or the heavy hand of evil. I'm not the news reporter, distant and removed, replaying the choices you've made and the hits you've taken as if I'm an outsider looking in. No way. I'm all in it. I'm in every moment and behind every circumstance. I'm not the circumstance, but I'm in it. And I'm ready to show you the best way through. But even better, I'm the one ready to make every move with you. Your mess is my mess. Your chaos is my chaos. Your battle is my battle. I'm speaking, if you'll hear me, ever communicating, because that's who I am. I'm the voice of love, and my love reaches until it finds you, the object of my affection. I'm the whisper from within you that's hard to believe sometimes because it seems too good to be true. I'm the one who's always ready to talk and ready to listen. I'm the consistent voice of blessing over you that you may be a voice that consistently blesses others. If you listen, you'll hear the steady stream of blessing and passion I have for you, for your world, and for all who live in it with you. Allow me to teach you to bless like I bless, to see like I see with hope-filled eyes, confident in my involvement, in my care, and in my ability to work all things together for good. Yeah, Father, we receive your communicator heart over us right now, and we refuse to believe any lie that's come through our media that doesn't yet reflect the truth of who you are. And we declare together that the media in our generation absolutely will begin to reflect this heart of you, our beautiful rainbow God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This podcast was made available by contributions from listeners like you. To donate, go online to restore7.org. Thank you.